0: You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good afternoon, one o'clock. How are you guys doing today? Yeah. Got some men ready for the man cave. Well, I wanted to talk to you about coffee because uh, earlier today when you got up or, uh, you know, 10 minutes ago when some of you got up, you had to make a decision which cup you were going to drink your coffee out of now if you went into the kitchen or wherever you get your coffee um you pick up an old cup like an old styrofoam cup that has a little mold in it from the coffee that you left over from the day or two before would you drink your coffee out of this cup or would you prefer to drink your coffee out of this really great clean by the way cup with Yoda on the front, and then it also has on the back, may the force be with you with a Star Wars emblem. Okay, this is not a trick question. We know that there's one choice for the coffee, right, to go into the clean and the pure Cup, and that's partly what Paul was trying to get across to one of his young proteges named Timothy in the book uh, by his name. So, look with me in the Bible at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, and that's where Paul says, If you keep yourself pure. You will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be uh, uh, your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run away from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord from pure hearts. Now, here in a few minutes, we're going to go back and study through. Second Timothy chapter two. but this was Paul's work to young Timothy, his son in the Lord, a, a spiritual son, if you will. Um, but Paul, before his heart changed, what was his name? Anybody? Saul, some of you know Saul. Why is Saul such a bad name? Well, rewind. Change channels in your minds back to the Old Testament of the Bible, and there was a king named Saul who had chosen the spiritual way of the moldy styrofoam cup. And so part of what made Saul so bad is that he had a son in the Lord, and the son in the Lord was David and David had a good heart before God and Saul started hunting David down to try and kill him because Saul was jealous of David and so Saul along with his cronies uh, started searching for David and his men to kill them and as they were searching for them uh, they found themselves at a place called En Gedi there's a cave at En Gedi I brought a picture because I visited there it's a it's kind of like an oasis in the desert it's just north of the Dead Sea in Israel And so it's a very arid place, and if you go there, there are many caves and waterfalls and stuff like that. So Saul, when he's hunting for David, he had to relieve him. He had to go to the bathroom. So he goes into this cave by himself. Well, guess who's hiding out in the cave? David and his men. And David's men are going all machismo on him, and they're like, hey, here he is. It's time for you. They're going the way of machismo. They're just saying, kill him. Take him out right now. David was a little bit angry, so he cut off the corner of Saul's robe, but he didn't kill him. He said, guys, I will not kill the Lord's anointed. He chose the way of the pure cup in the purity of his heart. And that day was a defining day for David. It was a man cave kind of day because he could have brought death that day, but he chose life instead now what happened with Saul well Saul continued to choose this cup in fact one day Saul chose to offer a religious offering and sacrifice that was was reserved only for the priest and prophet Samuel and God was so offended that Saul in his impatience in his arrogance chose to offer that religious offering and sacrifice that he said in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, but now your kingdom must end for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So Samuel had to confront uh, Saul in this way. And I want to ask you this, men, if God is searching for a man after his own heart, will you be that man? If God is looking to and and fro throughout the earth for a man after his own heart, men, will you be that man? And I want to give you a challenge throughout the 42 days of this series to be a man beyond machismo. And so we're going to say that out loud together as is one of our customs here. But when you say that series big idea, um, I want you to do something for me. When you think of the word machismo, do you have a certain face in mind as you think of the word machismo? Well, when we say it together, I'll point to you, and I want you to put on your machismo face when you say the word machismo. So I'll give you an example of this. Uh, so we'll say, be a man beyond machismo, okay? So ready? <laughs> think about machismo in your mind. I'm going to point to you. We're going to say it together, and I want you to entertain me as the congregation throughout the day has done so. Ready? Here we go. Be a man beyond Machismo. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty good. You guys are a machismo of an audience. Now, men, what you got to understand is that the purpose of this series is not to guilt and shame you about all your deficiencies, because chances are, in your own mind, you're already doing that to yourself. And, you know, part of the reason I wanted to do this series is because I was praying and I had this picture of men in our church and men throughout our city that are beaten down spiritually, emotionally, and physically tired. Now, don't raise your hands, men, if you feel that way, but are there any men here today who feel beat down spiritually, emotionally, and in some ways are physically tired? And look, here we're not here to, to press you down and knock you down and point the finger at you. We're here to lift you up and encourage you. And you know why? Because when you feel guilt and shame on you, and when you feel beat down, you're more susceptible to the Styrofoam cup of lust and making poor choices that might damage your life and your relationships. So ladies, we need you during this series as well. There will be application for you every week uh, during this series and we need you to be strong for us. This series is not some uh, teaching where we think men are better or anything like that. This is not misogyny here. I mean, we, we know we're all equal here, and we need you to be strong for us to help encourage us during uh, this series. That's why, ladies, I want you to take what I'm calling the 42-pin challenge. 42, because we're gonna be in the series for 42 days. Write it on your hand or your arm, 42-pin, and the P in pin stands for pray. Pray for the men in your life. Pray for your husband. Pray for your future husband. Pray for your dad. Pray for your son. Pray for your brother. Pray for a friend who is a man. Um, Some of you single ladies, if you pray during the the 42 pen Challenge, if you pray during this, you might just meet your husband at the end of this time, chica. Okay, come on. How, How many of you would like that? So check it out. And then check this out. The E in pen stands for Encourage. So pull out your cell phones now, ladies, if you want. And I know you can, you can send a text message faster than I can talk. You ladies amaze me in this. And so send an encouraging message like you're awesome or you're the strongest man I've ever met, you know, whatever, um, and encourage your man. But throughout the series, uh, several times a week, um, send a note. Uh, a text message, something to encourage your man, an email. You know, uh, the frailest thing in all the world is the male ego, isn't it? But, uh, and we act like we don't need that encouragement, but my wife, when she sends me a little note or a message that encourages me, I gotta admit, it kind of warms my heart a little bit, dude. I, I really like that. So ladies, can you do that? So remember, pray and encourage. But the last one is probably one of the most important ones. The, the, the N in pen is no nagging. No nagging. Yeah, look. Yeah, don't clap, men. Don't clap just yet. You're going to get the atomic elbow if you clap, <laughs> men. But for 42 days, ladies, if you're going to take this challenge seriously for 42 days, speak encouragement into your men. Look, you already know that the nagging does not work because they would have changed if it worked and you're still doing it. So it does not work. So uh, if you want to nag, go to the Lord in prayer. Remember, remember number one as a part of the pen challenge. And ladies, I want you to raise your right hand. You're going to about take a pledge. Ladies, get them up there. This is the, the no nag pledge. Husbands, lift your ladies' hand up. Okay, and I want you to say it out loud with me. Ready? Ready, ladies? Here we go. I'm going to point to you. If I nag for 42 days, may the fleas of a million camels nest on my armpits. Okay, there you go. So, ladies, keep them shaved, because if you nag, here they here come the fleas, man. Let's be careful on that. So, let's get back to 2 Timothy and Paul's words to uh, young Timothy, um, where he says in 2 Timothy 2, 1, "'Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses.'" Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. So Paul compares us there to athletes, soldiers, and farmers, and we're going to break down each one of those in the teaching today. So first, we're to be like soldiers. Men, you have to fight for your purity. It doesn't always happen naturally. Naturally, men, we're often drawn to the moldy styrofoam cup of lust and porn and the like. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, the Bible teaches us. It is a spiritual battle. Men, there are dark forces that are trying to destroy your families, and they're beginning with you, men. And they're uh, they're coming after you. And look, you've got to. That's why you've got to stay alert. You've got to have a wartime mentality when it comes to your purity here, right? So stay alert every time you look at anything that's got a screen, whether it's your mobile device or a TV, because therein is something that could potentially cause you to lose a spiritual battle. And I've seen some of the best of men lose these battles if you're toying with some type of sin of the the styrofoam moldy lust cup, then it could open the doorway of your life to something vile and evil that wants to destroy your life. I've spoken over the years many times about my past lust struggles that I got free from about 16 years ago and my marriage struggles during that time And at that time, before all that started, I was a guy who was helping other people in freedom. I was helping other people see from the Bible how the devil and demonic spirits can get footholds in the lives of humans and destroy their lives. And it was happening to me, see? I've seen uh, men who thought they were strong and who would never fall struggle so we're all susceptible. We all have to stay humble, and we all have to stay alert to this battle. And ladies, this is partly why we need you to be strong for us in prayer. When I say in the pen challenge that you make a commitment to pray, I really mean prayer. I don't mean where you say, oh, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. That doesn't do anything People who say, I'm thinking about you, don't understand the power of, I'm praying for you. And so it's not just you have a thought about your man, but it is you get on your knees at a certain point during the day, and you pray to God, you speak to God about those men uh, in your life, and ask God to work in their lives and protect their lives. And what we're going to do today is we're going to carve out a little time in our service here in just a minute to pray for the men. And ladies, here's what I'm going to have you do. If you're sitting with your husband, I want you to put your hand on his shoulder. If you're sitting with your dad, Put your hand on his shoulder here in just a minute. If you're sitting with your brother or whatever, or you're sitting with a boyfriend or a friend or whatever, you can put your hand on his shoulder and pray for him here in just a minute. Uh, ladies, if you're sitting around uh, a man that's by himself and he doesn't have his mom or his wife or anybody around to uh, put a hand on and pray for him, if you feel comfortable to do so, you can put your hand on his shoulder here in just a minute. Men, if you're new to church and, and you feel like, hey, man, I don't want some lady I don't know putting her hand on my shoulder, then here's what you do. You give her the tap. And the tap just means, hey, it's cool, uh, I'm not comfortable with this, and we don't want anybody to do anything they're not comfortable with, right? So if someone gives you the tap, that just means, hey, no offense, but I just prefer not to, to participate in this part of the service, okay? So would you guys welcome my wife, Jeannie, up to join uh, in our prayer and to pray for us? And now, ladies, if you, as you're comfortable, uh, put the hand on someone's shoulder, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jeannie?
1: Heavenly Father, we cover ourselves and our men with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as our protection during this time of prayer, and we refuse any involvement of Satan in our men and in our lives. We command you, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to leave our presence with all your demons, powers, authorities, principalities, thrones, dominions, and everything and everyone associated with you. And we bring the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ between you and us, especially our men. Heavenly Father, open the eyes of our men that they might see how great you are and how complete your provision is. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for the victory you've won for our men on the cross and through your resurrection, and we declare that all demons, with their works and effects, are subject to us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, show our men how Satan is hindering, tempting, lying, counterfeiting, and distorting the truth in their lives. Teach them, Father, to genuinely exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. We pray that you, Holy Spirit, would bring all the work of the crucifixion, resurrection, and glorification into our men's lives today, and we refuse to be discouraged. You are the God of all hope. You have proven your power by resurrecting Jesus Christ from the dead, and we claim in every way your victory over all satanic forces active in our men's lives. And we pray this in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, pretty lady, and thank you, ladies, for uh, praying over us today. Let's continue that. Now, the next uh, illustration that Paul gives to Timothy is to, spiritually speaking, be like an athlete. And this athlete theme goes in uh, much of Paul's writings. In fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians, you'll see he uses this metaphor with the Corinth uh, church as well. Look at 1 Corinthians 9.24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined disciplined. In their training, I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified. And so athletes are very careful to discipline their physical bodies. And in the spiritual realm, men, we are to discipline ourselves toward purity in our lives. Um, we have to discipline our bodies. Now, Raul Martinez is a City Church downtown attender. He also happened to be a, happens to be a former IBA junior bantamweight world championship professional boxer. And I messaged with Raul this past week uh, just a bit about his training regimen. And when I think about training or working out, uh, the way I think about it is, you know, you go to your workout and then you get back to your the rest of your day. Uh, but for Raul, The training of his body started early in the morning and that discipline went uh, into the evening, um, late into the evening when he's like running, swimming, boxing, sparring, repeat the next day. And that's how he won the many different belts that he won in professional boxing. He trained his body to become a world champion pro Boxer And men, to stay pure, it means constantly staying on your guard and constantly disciplining your thoughts and your physical body. But what is the motivation for wanting to stay pure? It's not just purity for purity's sake, but it is for the reward. The Bible teaches us that athletes compete for the prize, see? Uh, Some of you watched the fight between Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor you know that that was the biggest fight in combat sports history. Of course, Mayweather could be the very best boxer we've ever seen in our lifetime. If he's not the best, he's one of the best. And, of course, McGregor was the champion uh, MMA fighter. They get in the ring together. And what motivates these guys to put it on the line and be willing to duke it out in front of millions of people all over the world where it was the prize, the minimum purse for Mayweather was $100 million and the minimum purse uh, for McGregor was 30 mil, well, then you add to that the pay-per-view revenues, and McGregor was going to make no less than $100 million, and then Mayweather, um, some people think he made uh, somewhere between $200 and $300 million. Now, a lot of you guys were thinking what I was thinking when I was watching the fight, and it's like, man, Put me in there. I'll I'll let Mayweather beat the crap out of me for $100 million, man. I can build a few churches with that. You know what I'm saying? We're doing it for the prize, see? Uh, Men, what you got to understand is this, that the prize uh, of uh, the purse of any boxing match is nothing compared to the rewards that are in heaven The streets in heaven are made of gold. In the afterlife, God will richly reward men who drink from the purity cup. You'll get a reward that you can't even fathom in your finite mind. Not to mention the rewards of keeping yourself pure in this life. There are guys in this room who would say, man, I wished I would have kept myself pure because I wouldn't have contracted that sexually transmitted disease. There are other guys that say, I really wish I would have kept myself pure because I didn't and it led to the destruction of my relationship or my marriage or uh, something else in my life, sometimes even losing my job, see? So um, guys, think about the rewards. Uh, But one of the things that a wise athlete realizes that porn and lust can biologically and chemically remap your brain. It's described in the book Wired for Intimacy where neuroscientist and researcher William Struthers explains how pornography affects the male brain. Look right here. You've heard crying babies before. It's just how they worship and it's all good. We love babies here, don't we? But check this out. This book, Wired for Intimacy, explains to us uh, that viewing pornography changes how the brain works and how we form memories and make attachments in our lives, see? And that's why James Valdez started the, uh, the tribe or the group called Conquerors, um, because it shows you biologically and chemically how porn affects your brain and how you can get over it. But here's one of the things you have to understand as an athlete in the spiritual realm it's not just about what you're not doing it's what you are doing and you know the bible some people think that the bible is like anti-sex because it says you shouldn't lust and all this and you should be faithful in your marriage and everything but actually the bible is not anti-sex the bible is very pro-sex within marriage look at proverbs 5:18. let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Here's the part I'm a little embarrassed to read in church, but it's in the Bible, so I have to do it. Uh, Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Then if you were to look at the book, uh, Song of Solomon, or sometimes it's called Song of Songs in the Old Testament of the Bible, this is written about a married couple and their sex life in very poetic and explicit language in fact it was so erotic young Jewish boys weren't even allowed to read it until they were of age furthermore there's a research project by uh, a joint research project uh, between uh, researchers at the State University of New York at Stony Brook and the University of Chicago and it's been called the most authoritative ever on sexual behavior and the Study found that of all the sexually active people, the most physically pleased and emotionally satisfied were married couples, just as the Bible teaches us to do. See? So finally, Paul encourages young Timothy to take the mindset of a farmer. Now, Norman Borlaug was born in a small town in Iowa, he grew up to become a farmer. Norman's Christian spiritual convictions about feeding the hungry and the poor along with the scientific knowledge of agriculture motivated him to develop a very high yielding wheat seed in Mexico and then later in India. He is one of only six individuals to have won the Nobel Peace Prize, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the Congressional Gold Medal. He is referred to as the father of the Green Revolution. And my favorite title for Norman Borlaug is he is known as the man who saved a billion lives. And the reason that Borlaug was able to save over a billion lives is because of his understanding of farming and agriculture. And look, we believe at City Church that we not only want to feed people's physical bodies and uh, sow into people who are physically hungry, we also believe we need to feed into souls, souls that are starving for the truth of God and His gospel. And you know, men, why it's so important that you and I learn to be spiritual farmers and to plant the seeds of the gospel because eternities are at stake. It's not just problems in this world, or it's not just rewards in this world, but it's eternity forever and ever and ever. Look, our lives are only a blip on the radar compared to all of eternity, and that's why we have to get this right. And what's happening here today is that a spiritual farmer is planting seeds of the gospel of Christ, the truth that when Jesus died on the cross, he died there to pay the penalty for my sins and for yours. And that if we would believe in him, our sins would be paid for and covered and we could come into a relationship with God. And what happens is, is as this farmer plants the seeds of the gospel, some of the seeds fall on hard ground. The hard ground represents hard hearts. People, men and women both, And children who harden their hearts to the truth of the gospel of God and what happens to the seed on the hard ground is the birds just come and peck it up. There's also those hearts that are represented by the stony ground and the thorny ground that has thorn bushes all around and the gospel seeds are planted there and they might sprout up quickly, but they get choked out by the cares of this world. But what we want to be is the fertile ground. When the seeds of the gospel are planted in our hearts, they grow and produce a crop that's able to feed others as well. That's what we want to be. And I want to applaud some of you who are spiritual investigators that you were willing to come here and you were at least as open, open-minded open enough to come here and listen to the things of God today. But I want to close with this one encouragement from Uh, Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 look at it he says this is a trustworthy saying if we die with him we will also live with him if we endure hardship we will reign with him if we deny him he will deny us and look at verse 13 if we are unfaithful he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is look the gospel is about is not about you being fruitful but it's about him being faithful. And when you trust that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he comes in and he will not deny himself who indwells you. And if you can choose to believe today, I want to invite you to do that by prayer right now. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and perhaps you're sensing, feeling the presence of God drawing you into a love relationship with himself. I want you to just talk to him in your heart we call that prayer and just say to him look God I know I've sinned I've screwed up but God right now the best I understand it and comprehend it I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin whether you just prayed that just now or whether you've been a Christian for many years we can all pray this next prayer God, I want my heart to be fertile soil that can produce a harvest in this world that's able to feed many others the good news of Christ. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and lives, and we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said amen, amen. Well, today we're going to observe baptism. And those of you that are already signed up for baptism, why don't you go ahead and make your way to the front here and get situated. And while they're making their way to the front uh, over here to your left, my right, um, I want to explain to you what baptism is about and what it means. See, baptism is kind of like the ground. The water in the tub kind of is like the ground. And you are planted like a seed taken under Ground under the water, and when you're raised up, it's like you're springing forth like a plant to produce a crop, bursting forth with new life and freedom in the spirit, new life in Christ. So let's worship the Lord, and as people are baptized as they go into the water and come back up, let's applaud them and encourage them for their decision to be obedient to the Lord in baptism. And God, we're our All of our applause is like right up at you for the kindness you've extended our way for all the beauty you allow us to see. Lord, you even let us see a chihuahua get baptized up in here today, man. That was pretty awesome. And so, Lord... We know and we love the way that you love your whole of creation and you are showing us a glimpse of the kingdom and new life here on earth today. So we thank you for it and we consider ourselves privileged to be amongst the rare group of people who get to see the beauty of new life when you change a human heart and make us new. So for this we give you credit, honor, and glory, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Everyone said a huge and hearty amen, right on. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.